you're about to go off the grid with Tony on the Dr. Brace's Network. Stay tuned. What's good, my people? It's your boy Tony coming back to you with another Off the Grid podcast, dropping you some of this local flavor. So if you are in the state of Mississippi or surrounding areas, this is some news that you can use and I'm bringing to you in podcast form just to talk about some topics and some happenings that that are influence and impact us day to day. Now, this podcast is a part of the Dr. Race Network where you can find so many other forms of entertainment, podcasts, videos, um, we draw some playlists that you can use if you have title. Sorry, we don't have any other form that we, we, we're linking right now. Um, and, you know, maybe you can come through and, you know, check out some other things like when we talk wrestling or whatever. Whatever we're going to do. You never know what you're going to find on the Dr. Raisin Network. And we just appreciate you for coming through and, and, supporting, and supporting the call. So, But here, we're just talking about this local flavor. So I'm going to get on into it. The show is back. Let's do it. Let's just get you going. So, um, let's pick up, man. This this story broke um, at the beginning of the month, around the uh, first week of the month, and the former director of the Department of Human Service in the state um, was arrested along with five other people in an embezzlement and fraud scam, where they were. Where they have been um, charged in the case for basically taking funds from the um, the, the program that is used to support needy families, taking funds for those and using those funds and giving them towards a, a rehabilitation treatment for one of the arrested, uh, Mr. Brett DiBiase. So these five people all worked in worked in conjunction to or do it, these six people all worked in conjunction basically to to submit fraudulent paperwork to say that Mr. DiBiase was performing education for low income families for re- drug rehabilitation when actually he was not even in the state he was in California in a in a opioid an opioid rehabilitation facility and they were funneling money towards his treatment rather than using the money for needy families um it has been quoted as being one of the largest embezzlement schemes in the state of mississippi um at the time the last number i saw was somewhere upwards of 4.1 million dollars um had been embezzled through these organizations two of the people involved ran nonprofit organizations where they say they were basically helping with these programs and they were also using the money to to um to finance their investment opportunities as well so it was going toward Mr. DiBiase and towards investments and and other, so many other things and this um they had been they had been investigating this case for a while it had been a long, an ongoing investigation until they finally went ahead and filed paperwork and arrested these six individuals um it's very interesting if you look at this case none of these people look like they would be suspected of doing such a thing 
because none of these people look like they were just pocketing millions of dollars towards whatever. But they also don't look like people who would be benefic beneficiaries of needy family programs. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, they look like they are capable, able-bodied people who have the ability to go out and work and, uh, you know, obtain a sustainable living, you know, substantial living uh, through income and working and, and, and just a normal job. But either way, these people were taking money from needy families in the state of Mississippi or a program that fund these families in the state of Mississippi. I ain't going to say they're taking the money directly from the families, but these programs that help these people, they were taking money from this um, program to basically fund somebody's rehabilitation because they had a drug habit. Now, remember when, remember when it was crack and cocaine and, and all this other stuff, it was the way you rehabilitate people is you arrest them and put them in jail. But when it's opioids, you know, we got to put you in a in a center where somebody has to pay for it. So it seems like the taxpayers in Mississippi were paying for it. And by, and, you know, by proxy, the poor families in the state of Mississippi were paying for it as well by not having access to these funds. Now, I would also like to to tag on to this to say that Mississippi is one of those states that have been have had proponents going out left and right trying to to find ways to crack down on corruption so to speak I'll say that in quotes quote unquote corruption as far as obtaining um, these funds illegally so you know they've been implementing things like drug tests and so on and so forth for people who are applying for these benefits so they can find a way to disqualify them from receiving these benefits. You know what I'm saying? So you got, you got a state that's trying to say that people who are receiving government assistance are fraudulently, fraudulently um, receiving these benefits. But also at the same time, while you're trying to crack down on, you know, just like the everyday citizen who doesn't have the means to provide for themselves but yet are applying for these benefits you are letting through the floodgates people who have the means to you know uh, to, to, to provide for themselves who have those means you're letting them through the floodgates to funnel out millions of dollars from these programs because you're not verified uh, because you're too busy focusing on the poor people the people who may be just taking a little extra. And I'm not even saying they're taking. I'm just saying your focus is people who are not even gaining like a substantial advantage. Um, I think this is basically um way I can equate this in, 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 just in the sports terminology. This is you calling travel on five-year-old kids who can't dribble or who have never played basketball before. But let, yet you're letting NBA players take five steps to go to the basket. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it's pretty much that that same that same comparison there. People who really are not gaining any kind of advantage by even even if they are taking advantages, they're not gaining any kind of advantage because they're in situations where they're not just getting any kind of getting over, so to speak. Um, on the government to gain any kind of status because you're not going to generate no 
large sums of wealth unless you have some kind of assistance like somebody within the system who can file fraudulent paperwork to help you gain millions of dollars otherwise there's really not much you can do because there's only so much you can uh, you can gain from these programs as someone who is filing paperwork who is who may or may not be in need of these systems in, in need of these you know what i'm saying so with that being said the state of mississippi not not even a few days after this old system went ahead and pushed through a law where they wanted to verify tax returns on people to verify that they're making the income that they need to make um to receive these programs now they're they're framing it as well we're trying to catch people who are making more money than they should be making uh, for this so that we can go after these providers and these people that are just really abusing the program but at the same time you know you're you're scraping the very bottom of the barrel trying to find everybody who's doing this because again the majority of the people who are taking advantage of these benefits or not just taking advantage the majority of the people receiving these benefits are people who need the benefits the majority of the money that is going out in some of these programs are probably going to people who don't need them so it's not a situation where you need to be verifying everybody's tax returns, but doing things like they should have did, like they did, and then they found this um, investment scheme is investigate these these large um, these large providers and these people that are accessing large sums of money, or the people that are even just handling the, the the source of the money. You know what I'm saying? So it's not even about a thing of looking at the just individual people it is finding the massive gaps of what most of the money has been funneled through and then going through and checking those but hey who am i i don't know i'm not a i'm not a politician on this i i, I understand that the state is just look at some people especially poor people and feel like poor people are gaining substantial advantage by taking advantage of these programs but you're looking at people who are receiving government assistance who are supposedly taking advantage of the program or getting over in the program, but yet they're still poor. I don't understand. I do not understand how that works. How are you getting large sums of money from the government, but yet you're still poor? Like, are they are they hiding the money for somewhere, some some way that nobody able to track it? You talk about funds that are being tracked down to the point of it's being provided to the people that once they get it, it nobody knows where it goes once they get it. No, no, I, I, I mean, it's just one of those things that we'd like to try to vilify people that are on the lower end of the income spectrum, the lower end of the class structure, and say that they're spending large sums of money on things that they shouldn't be doing. It's the same thing that people like to do when they make jokes about people receiving income tax and what they splurge their money on. But the thing about it is, you're talking about people that's getting some sum of money. I don't even care if it's whatever the large sum, like $15,000. If it's $15,000, $15,000 isn't enough money to live off for the entire year. So if you receive $15,000 in income tax and you're only making $20,000, $30,000 a year, that only puts you at about $40,000 for the entire year. So if you make it $30,000, you got a $15,000 income tax refund for whatever reason, however you did it, that puts you at $45,000 for the year. I'm not saying that you earned $45,000, but you had... Based on your income and your refund and your tax return, your tax income tax return, you have forty five thousand dollars, pretty much for the year. That's still not a lot of money. 
that's still not a lot of money. So if people are taking that money and going spending it on extravagant items, let them do it. You know what I'm saying? Let them do it because at the end of the day, they're still not. At the end of the day, they're still not having some sort of comeuppance. I mean, I'm not trying to judge people how they spend their money, but they're not having some sort of comeuppance. If you look at these people who we quote, and when I say quote, I mean people who are jokingly quote. You look at these people who are jo- we jokingly quote making a whole lot of money on these income tax returns. But once you add it to what they normally make for a year and what they having to spend money on, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. But if you're talking about somebody who's embezzled more than $4.1 million, that is a lot. And I don't care how you break that down and how many years they've been embezzling that money. $4.1 million over one year, I mean, over four years is, is an average of a million a year. So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to break that down to where it's not in a substantial amount of money going in the hands and we're talking about three to four people out of these six that were arrested some people were just arrested for being complicit and other people were direct beneficiaries of this money so that's the joke we want to tell that's the joke we want to tell and that's what we want to do in Mississippi we want to investigate people like this and we want to talk to people about this and we want to make sure we pointing these people out and make sure these people are the ones that we continue to put our finger and our thumb on to continue to make sure that they're not they're not leeching the system so to speak but at the same time a lot of these people are not they're not getting any kind of substantial advantage in the situation and i'm not sitting here saying just let the floodgates open and just let these people get whatever they want i'm saying a lot of people in the situation that you feel like are taking advantage or people feel like are taking advantage of the situation they're not they're not achieving any kind of rise in class and, and influence they're not it's just it's just not a lot of a lot of the people who consistently receive large income tax returns so to speak continuously do it every year and it's not because that they are getting any you know because if if, if they were they were gaining any kind of class eventually later go from receiving tax returns to actually paying back income tax or breaking even on the income tax or receiving less return tax returns. But some people are not in that situation, so I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, moving on, moving on. Uh, this also was in the news. It was reported that the president of Jack State University, former president of Jack State University, Will Bot- William Bottom Jr., was among 17 people arrested in, during the weekend on a two-day prostitution sting that led to a total of eight felony charges. Um, he, 57-year-old, was charged with procuring of services from a prostitute, false statement um, of identity, because, you know, you couldn't tell him that his name was Will Bonham Jr., president of Jack State University. He had to come up with another name. Um, and possession of marijuana. Um, and he resigned from his job. That's what I said. He's he former. But he was also caught up with another um, Jack State employee, a professor. Uh, a doctor, as a matter of fact. Dr. Shonda McCarthy was also caught up in this. And the way they got caught was through a an ad. Of all things, an online ad soliciting prostitution services. Um, they they went through the ad and met an undercover police officer at a hotel. So, people, one they already told you it's too good to be true. 
then it's probably not true. And secondly, an ad, you know ads attract. And oh man, who are putting who putting in online ads? Who putting in online ads? You know what I'm saying? Who putting in online ads? I don't know, man. I don't know. But you know, they're out there. I've seen I see. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rat them out, but I I seen an escort on um my um Snapchat timeline um advertising services so and and they be aggressive on there man. They get to you. They be like they do meetups, which again <laughs> you don't understand the lingo. That mean they coming to you and, and or letting you come to them, pay them just so you can have sex with them. It's real easy. And like I said, some of them are so aggressive to the point that you kind of can fig- figure out that this is probably a scam. Not even saying it's a scam to get you arrested. A scam in the sense of this is probably a situation where you might get robbed. <laughs> Somebody motherfucker might come down and kidnap you. Just, just, just real all all kinds of crazy shit that can happen. But um, he showed up. He and a couple other people showed up at this hotel to meet up with these these people under the the pretense that they're going to um, have sex relations and um, got arrested. Got arrested. And I'm wondering, did he have is the the name that they arrested him? Whatever he used when he got arrested, is it the same name he was using during the entire time with this thing? Like, was he one person that was forward thinking enough to like, I can't be online using my real name, so I got to get out here and. And, and you have a fake name, kind of like um, damn, what's my guy name? Anthony Anthony Weiner, you know. So is he doing that? Ah, man, let me tell you something. So I found this other article in on this site called Y'all Politics, which is very slanted towards um, conservative politics. But anyway, it's talking about um. The Trump's campaign, the Trump campaign's uh, play for black voters and how it's working in Mississippi. And this thing goes to a broader perspective, too. Um, the first thing that they they mentioned here, and it's something that it's, it, it, you can see how it catches some black people, too. Um, basically, playing on the opportunity to create wealth. So, going into what they call opportunity zones. And giving them the the opportunity to go in and purchase um, property, land, and, and 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 for such as to develop these communities that are considered opportunities for development, and um, which is basically gentrification, and but giving black people the opportunity to take advantage of the things that white people and people of um, of wealth have been taking advantage of for many, many, many generations. And saying that black people, especially middle class black people, and in the state of Mississippi where you have a situation where you have certain some black people who have gotten to the point where they have a little bit of, I won't say wealth, but they have a little bit of income, disposable income that they can use for certain things. And, you know, we've been had that slowly growing in this state, but it's still not a lot of people. You're talking about a state that has well over, well over 30% of people in the state of black. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of those people are living at or uh, below the middle class. Some in poverty, especially out in the Delta. And you have very few people of that middle class line 
very few, very, very, very few who are considered in the upper middle class or high class of this, um, the elite class of this, of this state. Very few. But the ones that are just at that crust, you know, just at that crust to where they're ready to, to move up, playing on that and giving them the opportunity to get out here and earn income, I mean, earn, gain property um, and develop these, these areas where they're not going in to take these areas. And they're basically going to go in, redevelop these areas and put more people like themselves in. Because, and it's not that that's what they want to do. That's not what they're setting out to do. But that's the way the system is designed to help, help them achieve the goal. So it's basically so you can go in and develop these communities. But the guidelines are going to be so stringent that you can't develop these communities for low income people to move in. And why would you do it? Because it's not going to be beneficial for you. It's not going to increase your value, your property by doing that. And. You know, like I said, you're finding black people who are flipping Republican in this sense, who are seeing it as an opportunity for them to generate some kind of gain and in, 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 in income. And a lot of these people are they speak in coded language and um, they don't they're not going to directly see it. But they know that, especially if you're talking about being a business owner, you're talking about somebody that want to own property, you're talking about somebody that trying to take advantage of the capitalist society that the Trump administration is the way to move. I said that I, I said it many times, even when he was run, when he was running against Hillary, that as someone who wants to start a business, those policies are to your best interest as somebody who wants to start a business. But as a person of color, it's not to your best interest. Because even in that sense, when we're talking about businesses and people developing these properties and, and people developing these communities and these low-income neighborhoods, even in that sense, it's not saying that they're giving preferential treatment to black people. It's just saying that, hey, you got a little income, you have a chance to play in this game. And the one thing that a lot of black people who have learned in this time period and, you know, some people who are trying to turn back on um, integration and, and so many other um civil civil um civil rights advantages is that yes you are given a you're given opportunity to have a seat at the table but you're not given preferential treatment you're not seeing that people are you're seeing that people are still discriminating against you you're seeing that people are still finding ways to write you out of the picture and that's the thing about this whole situation where people are running and trying to jump with this administration what they're not understanding is they're not trying to say that you have the opportunity to that you're going to achieve this they're just saying you have a better opportunity there with the republicans than you do with the democrats they feel like the democrats have the more liberal um, agenda where they're opening it up and making it even for everybody and they're trying to say and where black people get caught up in this is well we are going to let you few black people live because you few black people meet the requirements of what it takes to be in this circle. But if you go with the Democrats, they're letting everybody in. And now you got to compete with everybody. And the thing about it is, is not only are you not guaranteed with the Republican agenda to get into this, this whole system, what, what these people are trying to do, not even mean that you guaranteed because now you're competing against the, the old network of people who have already tied in together, which 
you know, needs to be dismantled. Not only that, but at the same time, you're coming in as a new player. So maybe you're not the best person. And that's the thing about it is they're saying that, hey, we understand that you may not be the best person to be in this position or to achieve this goal or to take advantage of this opportunity to become, you know, wealthy. We understand that you might not be the best person, but you're better than the people that we're excluding. I mean, you, you may not be better than the people that we're excluding, but because we're excluding them, you have a better opportunity. And I, and I guess the best way to look at this is this. If, if there's 10 people and you're the fifth person on the list because we excluded all these other people, but if we brought all these people in, instead of you being fifth, you'd actually be like 50th. Of course you want these people excluded. Because now you have an opportunity to be higher up the list. And that's the thing that that's the thing that people are overlooking when we're talking about this situation of playing with this part playing with this agenda or playing with this administration um just to get in your way. Um they talk about criminal justice reform, I'll hit that I'll hit that in a second. Um, and I come back to the other thing too. School choice. I'm um, talking about that word. It's saying that that again, people to, in disenfranchised communities have the opportunity to have the choice of sending their kids to where they want to go to school, and this that the other, give them that choice. But here's the thing: they're building these schools directly in opposition to lower performing schools, schools that are or, you know, less integrated. They're building them there. They're redistricting the school districts so they can get the people that they want. So, tying it into this opportunity zone thing, yeah, you can develop this community of like, of like black people. We can fence you off so you can come to these schools, these better schools, so you don't have to send your black kids or your poor kids to these other schools and these other communities that haven't been doing that great. You know, like, for instance, um, to you know, kind of like bring this to a, a, a like an example down in Mississippi in um, Yazoo County, um, Yazoo City School is one of the worst schools in the state of Mississippi, probably in the country. But not more than twenty miles down the road, you have a brand new school um, in um, Madison County, which is crazy because. Um, you have Germantown High, which is becoming a large school as it is, but you built that school right out of side of, you know, Madison Central, um, you got Flora, um, Felma Jackson, Canton, all these schools right there. You got all them schools in that area that have been there and existed in for the last few years. You built this new school here because you're bringing these people into this community who are coming there because they're working at the Nissan plant, but they're also, you also got the people that work for Nissan who are bringing their families here from all over the place and they want their kids to get into the good schools, but they don't want to maybe live in, in, um, in, in Clinton and they don't want to live in Ridgeland. They don't want to move too far down as being Madison. They want to be as close as they can to possibly work. So you bring the school that's a little bit closer to that, to, to that plant you build that school, you open that school up, and now you put these people in the school. And even though you had existing schools in an area. So rather than investing in existing schools like Yazoo City um, schools, Yazoo County, 
um, Canton and all these schools, investing in these schools and making these schools better. You build a totally new school, essentially just for these people. That's what they're doing, and that's how you get into school choice there. And you see it happening so many times. You see it happening so many times. I mean, it just, it just, that's what they want. That's what they want. They want to put in and say that they're doing you a benefit. Now, I'm talking about criminal justice reform. So they revitalize the, the the criminal justice system. Now, in that, with that being said, we're talking about the state of Mississippi, who just make the news for their prison system being insufficient and people dying. I'm gonna. I got another story in here where 16th, I think the 16th inmate died not too long ago. 16th inmate in a few months. But you want to have criminal justice reform? Well, yeah, you're getting the criminal justice reform. Yeah, you're getting that. But in that, you're also rewriting your code. So, and I say that because here in South Haven, we had a family, a black family whose property was vandalized by people right people writing racial slurs on their cars and their property. Okay, so you have that. But in finding this story, you find out that in, from 2017 to 2018, into 2018, the state of Mississippi had no reported hate crimes. Because they rewrote their code as to what essentially makes a hate crime. Now, to you, you would say, hey, somebody facing somebody's car like that. Of course, it doesn't happen every day. But something similar to that happens within the two-year time period, especially when we have in reports that since this administration has been in office, that hate groups have picked up. And they have numbers of those have grown over the last, two, last three years during this um, administration. So you have that going on. But yet in that same period where you have hate groups rising, there's reports of this and there's documented evidence of this and you're seeing it on in you know if you're on social media you're seeing it there too but you're seeing that rise but yet somehow in the state of Mississippi and Tennessee and Arkansas for two years there were no hate crimes reported now that's three states right there together millions of people no hate crimes at the same time that there's a rise in hate groups you do the math on that. You do the math on that. So that's what we're looking at on, and you know, just local news and and the local happenings. So take forward what it is and use that to make your decisions as to what you want to see here. If you live in these states, and if you're somebody that have similar um, patterns going on around you, use it as you will. Use it as you will. I'm gonna take a quick break, y'all. All right, let's see what people on my Twitter are talking about. So let's see what what's trending on my side of the Twitter. So it looks like Pier One is closing all of their stores in Canada. So they filing Chapter Eleven and closing stores in Canada. Um, American Deli is tw- trending. What is going on here? Y'all hungry today? It's President's Day. Y'all hungry? Uh, oh, oh. Oh, hold on. I know why American Daily is trending. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, we have people talking about Chelsea versus Manchester United. We see BTS trending. Mike Trout said he lost all respect for Astros players after the science stealing scandal. And then the hashtag Obama was a better at everything is also is trending. Um, 
We got Mike Tomlin in the news. He is defending Mason Rudolph after Mason, I mean, after Miles Garrett said um, Rudolph used a racial slur on the field. Of course, Mike Tomlin has to do this. But, you know, what's crazy because they're sitting there thinking about this. If you have this um, accusation out there as a black coach that your starting quarterback may have called um, another man, another black man, a racial slur um, on the field, you know, inciting that that whole debacle. Um, you ha- you can't handle it publicly in this in this arena, you know. Like even if you know he said it, you can't handle it public in this arena. You have to come out here. And I'm not saying this is right, but you got to come out here. You got to defend your quarterback because he's the guy that you're coaching. Because if you don't, you're gonna lose your entire locker room because people are gonna feel like you're not gonna defend them when they did something that nobody can accuse them of. You know, unless it's something that they did that's wrong, you got to defend them. I mean, they did something that can be proven. You got to defend them. And then at the same time, and you know he did it, you got to handle it behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? Like even if you're not, even if you don't know for certain that he did, you got to have him behind closed doors. I know we talked about it on the show that you know Mike Tomlin probably benched that man um, a couple games after this happened because of that. You know, I'm a black man. I'm coaching a team. My white quarterback called another black man a nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can I stand up there as a black man, a self-respecting black man who wouldn't want any other person to call me a nigga when they mad at me? How am I gonna handle that? What can I do? But in the public arena, when I got a whole team behind me, a whole ownership behind me, and, and everybody that's behind me that wants me to stand out there to be the face of the franchise, I can't go out there and, you know, um, and accuse this man of doing it. And I definitely can't go out there and just chastise him in front of the public. You're not going to be able to do it. I'm sorry. People want him to do it, but he's not going to be able to do it. And keep his job. And then if he did lose his job, he'd never get hired again. Ever. And just the thing, he never will. It's fucked up. It's real fucked up. We're not going to talk about, man, if this was a white white coach in the same situation. This is a white coach in the same situation, man. He can come out there and chastise the white, a white quarterback for saying that all he wants. You know what I'm saying? This Popovich, he can come out here and chastise this white player for doing that shit all he wants. San Antonio is not going to fire him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you, even if he don't have any proof that the dude said it, they're not going to fire him. But you cannot do that as a black coach, in a, especially in an arena where you have a lot of fans that are going to go out here and go to bat for Mason Rudolph and say he didn't do it and say that Miles Garrett was the person in the wrong. No matter what Miles Garrett's demeanor is. I know people come out on personality um, claims about Mary Garrett and say that he's a nice guy. Um, we got multiple teams saying that uh, the Lions, well, the Lions have spoke to most teams about ch- trading Darius Slay. I know this is on my timeline because I know a lot for a lot of people who are Mississippi State fans, and Slay is a former Mississippi State football player. So the Lions are shopping him out there. Atlanta residents, now this is why American Deli was, was treated. Atlanta residents are debating what fast food chain acts. And um, on the list, they had Chick fil A, Waffle House, American Deli, and the Varsity. So, somebody put out there one has to go, the Atlanta edition. Which one are you dropping? Um, you open the picture and you can see it. People have been talking about the varsity and American Deli are the two that they've been letting go. 
Oh no, there's no people are. Oh my bad, people are clamoring for American Daily, and then saying, "Getting oh, see somebody said goodbye, Tiny Wings from American Daily." Oh, American Daily and the Varsity can both go. You'll have to tear the Waffle House out of my cold dead hands to some person. Somebody said Chick Fil A's Bay, Waffle House is the Temple. American Deadly never let them down. And the varsity is a tourist trap that no self-respecting Atlanta original ever goes to. So there you go. Somebody said they'd let go of Chick-fil-A even if they didn't have a political agenda against them. Okay, let's see what these American Deadly people are talking about. See, some reason y'all really picking the varsity over American Deadly. Mmm. Woke up to American Deadly signing on my timeline. If we if you've never heard of American Daily, you're not really from Atlanta. Take your ass back to Alpharetta. Um, crazy thing about it, man. American Daily isn't just an Atlanta thing. I know a lot of people in Atlanta do. I mean, may like it, but shit, man. Go to Columbus and see, man. Motherfuckers will fight you about that. American. Listen, American Daily is probably the only reason why that little ragged ass mall in Columbus, Mississippi, is still open. Yeah, I call it a ragged ass mall. That some bitch ain't got shit in it anymore. Sears was a fucking um. Sears was what? One of the damn uh, uh, in stores. It closed. I forgot what the other one was. It became a Burke Outlet. I don't know if Burke Outlet still closed. JCPenney closed. Now you got Hobby Lobby. There's nothing inside the mall. I think the FIE closed. I think FIE closed and became a children's place. FIE became a children's place. There's a fake jewelry place in there. Um, there's a Books a Million in there for whatever reason. But Books a Million has its own interest from the outside. They were smart. They didn't build a. Um, mall interest only, so you get books of me. You can close that fucking back end off, and you never go into the mall. There's a Hibbits in there, I believe. Um, there's a bunch of little suit, you know, suit stores, and I don't mean like suit suits. I don't mean like suit suits. You know what kind of suits I'm talking about. And nothing wrong with that, neither. So you know, there's a place needed for those. So those places probably wouldn't have a, yeah, they may have a place downtown. But you know, you go get your suits from there. Um, I think there's a uh, rack room shoes in there. But, nope, I think the shoe store moved. There was one in there. I think it moved. There's no arcade. There's a Chinese restaurant in there, a Chinese buffet in that junk. Um, the movie theater closed. So there's no movie theater in that thing no more. Shit, the movie theater been fucking closed. And um, the people don't even go in that bitch just to walk around anymore. But they go in there for that fucking American Deli, though, dog. They go get that American Deli. It don't even have a food court. It just has American Deli. That's it. Mall doesn't have food court. Just has American Deli. People on it, like I said, man. That American Deli, man. Um, and just me talking about just this is Chick Fil A here. Fucking lines be wrapped around the goddamn building, uh, and all the brands had to redo the whole fucking drive through because the lines were out into the highway. Um, Waffle House everywhere you go. I mean, there's one right around the corner for me. The varsity I've never been to, so you know. But I can't speak for what a lot of people are doing. There you go. Those are what people are talking about on the Twitter. In the news of Mississippi, y'all. Here we go. Here we go. Pearl River expected to crest was expected to crest Sunday and lead to historic flood in Mississippi. More neighborhoods in Jackson, Mississippi, were starting to flood Saturday as the swollen Mississippi Pearl River. I'm sorry, the swollen Pearl River. Um, may soon reach its highest point in decades, city officials said. And I can attest to that because I passed through there and that river was so high that it was touching the bottom of the I-55 bridge. That's how high that river is. 
Um, authorities urge people in a mandatory evacuation zone in Mississippi's capital to leave their homes or ask for help evacuating. Please get out before dark night, um, the governor said. That nigga. Uh, <laughs> addressed hundreds of people whom at, uh, the officials have asked to evacuate near the river in the Jackson area, which the river runs through generally the south area of the city. city. As of Saturday night, the Pearl River already moderately flooding in some neighborhoods around northeast Jackson. Um, had risen to 36 feet and nearly um, eight feet above flood stages. So they expected to decrease to 38 feet early Sunday. Uh, oh, they're talking about northeast. Oh, the way it loops around the city. Okay, I got you, got you, got you. Okay, my bad, people. Yeah, it does come around the south side of the city, but they're talking about the northeast part of the city where it loops around um, coming from the. Uh, from the reservoir, which also at the same time, people are uh, releasing some of the water from the reservoir to release the pressure on the dam. And people were were, were talking about they may be flooding people's homes. Um, they said the record for the for the river is 43.3 feet set in April of 1979 and then 39.6 feet in 1983, which populations in Jackson were still pretty high back then. Mm hmm. So people, like I said, didn't want to leave, but there you go. Some people have been getting out, getting the fuck out of Jackson because of that or, or relocating themselves because of the water. Someone, someone says, um, this lady says she was terrified and because she has a business running inside her home, which does not matter because if the water gets in, you're done. Lottery expectations. There's only 16 million in revenue for the work of the state's roads and bridges, and also for the teachers because they fucked up. Uh, Thomas Shaheen, president of Mississippi Lottery Corporation, speaking at a legislative hearing, recently estimated that during the first full fiscal year, the lottery will generate generate 81 million in revenue for the state. 81 million dollars that these people didn't want to do because the lottery was uh, it was evil. It was inhumane. You know, it was against the good principles of the state of Mississippi. But, you know, we found a way to find out how $81 million can do great for the state. So, let's put that into play. Pascagoula, uh, Pascagoula couples win $25 in the Mississippi lottery. That was the cash scratch-off game. Yeah. Oh, it's a black man. I don't, I don't see the, the wife, but I see the man. It's a black man. $25,000. Show wouldn't have got me on that picture. Not in my face out there shining. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> oh, shit. Another inmate dead in Parchment, in Mississippi. This is in Daily News. Need that up there. Where we at? No. Get that out of my face. Get that out of my face. I see as Mississippi prison system remains in crisis, yet another inmate in one of the most scrutinized facilities has died. Sunflower County Medical Examiner's Office has announced that 54-year-old James Allen Brown died on Monday, which makes him the 16th prisoner since December to late December to die in Mississippi. Many of those deaths have been caused by gang violence or suicide. For this case, the coroner says foul play is not suspected. Possible jurors questioning a case for of a missing man accused of killing eight people. This man went on a rampage 
um, a couple of years ago, 2017, attorneys have been questioning potential jurors for the death penalty case of a Mississippi man accused of killing eight people. Tuesday was the second day of jury selection and the trial of Willie, Willie Corey Godbolt. Investigators said he went to his in-laws home on May 2017 and argued with his estranged wife and her family over the couple's two children. When the deputy called, witnesses Godbolt shot and killed the deputy, his mother-in-law, and two other people. Police said Godbolt then shot and killed four other people um, at two other homes. He has pled not guilty. Um, he also, and also they're deciding to, this happened in South Mississippi, so they're getting, pulling jurors from up here in my county to go down there to that county to for the trial. So basically, you're going to come here, they're going to question you for the jury, and then they're going to bust you down to South Mississippi to sit there for the duration of the trial. Um, life's about to suck for these jurors, but... It's just gonna, that's the way they want to do the case because they feel like so many people in that area were um, tied to this man and the people who were affected in this case that they felt like the best thing to do was to pull jurors from another whole area of the state. Um, a North Mississippi woman was kidnapped after offering a ride to a man. This happened in Batesville, Mississippi. A man has been arrested after authorities say he had kidnapped a North Mississippi woman who offered him a ride, Panola County Sheriff Shane Phelps, tells local news outlets that the woman was kidnapped late Thursday after sport, spotting a man with a broken down car. The man forced the woman to drive around about six hours before they stopped at the base of his gas station. The woman entered the store and asked the employees to call the police. Um, the unnamed man then fled in the woman's car. The officer chased him until he wrecked. He ran away, was arrested uh, when the officers pulled, up, pulled over a car that had repeatedly driven past the area and found him inside. So, so yeah, they, they arrested him. The woman identified him. This niggas is crazy. Niggas is crazy. That is the news. That is the news. straight for us. The windows rolled down, guns pointed out, aimed at our vehicle. I grabbed my pistol from my waistband. I reached for a mar to pull them down. My men, they reached for their weapons, but there was not enough time to draw them out. Our vehicle lit up the time. Bullets pierced through the windows, the side doors, as I laid down on the mar bar. Glass shattered above landed on to my body. Amar screamed. I could still hear her voice. Her last cries for help. The men that shot at us never made it off the block. Fucking kamikaze mission. They were sent to They were sent to the they would die. They were taken to After the gunshot ceased, I felt the pain breaking through my heart. The men in the 
Dr. Ray's presentation.